books? What are you working on right now, actually? Oh, uh, I'm working on... What am I working on? I'm working on this book of Malaysian-Singapore writing called The Second Link. Yeah. So we are putting it together, me and three other editors from Singapore and Malaysia. So it's basically meant to like commemorate the 60th anniversary of merger. Because uh-huh. we merged in 1963, Singapore and Malaysia. And I say commemorate, but really it's just these essays will reflect on the relationship like, between Singapore and Malaysia. So we thought about this is very important to do. So in like the last phase of editing. So I'm also working on an anthology of Wong Puinam's work. So Wong Puinam, as some of you know, died last year. So we're thinking about putting out a collection of his selected work sometime this year. Um, so uh, this is the year of like other people's work like, for me, <laughs> which I think is a, is a nice change. It's like the editor role coming out more which I think is, is quite fun. Um, so less of my own work for now. More of Inane Asylum. <laughs> yes, more of Inane Asylum. How did it start? Uh, I think we should explain to, yeah. our, to our listeners. <laughs> um, uh, Inane Asylum is basically like an Instagram hashtag that I use uh, in my Instagram stories to catalogue uh, what I call instances of the Inane Asylum. And I think of Singapore basically as an, as an Inane Asylum. So we are not mad, but we have a lot of inanity. We are like a, an inane people, obsessed with inane things. Uh, yeah, so that just catalogs <laughs> that. Yeah, it just I just thought it was it was funny, but yeah, it's grown to be quite a thing. Like people submit things to be catalogued on inane asylum. Oh, what are your favorite examples? Uh, wow, that's a good one. So that's I love the most recent one, the drying bakwa on the. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> drying pork belly on the on the on the laundry pole. Although I said that's too interesting to be on, <laughs> yeah. on like on Indian asylum, but it's like uh, what's a what's a good one? I'm trying to think of a, of a good example. Um, remember the first Indian act that started this? <laughs> the first one that you captured. Ah, uh, uh, I know which one it is. So there was the one that really inspired me was that there was this whole hoo ha about this like clown. This guy dressed as a clown. Oh loitering yeah. outside it's schools yeah. Oh. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. was a tuition one which I think I guess for parents is mildly threatening mm-hmm. but it became a whole hoo-ha with like police reports yeah. and then there was like a PR fiasco and I'm like they all have nothing better to do <laughs> um, yeah it's only in Singapore where like I, I feel this would thing would be like national news mm-hmm. and like I think even like I think speaker Tan Chuan Jin like yeah. put a Facebook post out to like reassure people that this is like <laughs> well, we're looking into it and I'm like huh I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, that was actually the first one that, that sparked it. I was like, wow, this is really inane. <laughs> like, the people surely have better things to care about. But but what do you see it doing, right? Like, is it for amusement? Is it... It's mostly for amusement. It's mostly for amusement. But I think it's also like... It's in some ways tied to the idea of like, the state of anything but, but human, right? This this idea of like, modernist contentment and perfection. That you have nothing, you have nothing better to, to do. So that, that's 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 it. That you sort of go mad, uh, I think, which is the first part. Of it. So I guess you can draw a link there. But it's just really for my own amusement and community building, I guess, because <laughs> people have been submitting yeah. it to like it. <laughs> so yes, please, please feel read, free to submit. Have you read the story written by Daryl Yan in Fish Eats Dying the Ducks? Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> it's about a bus. Uh, it's about a bus, an SBS bus, basically that stops at Serangoon at a bus stop in Serangoon, yeah. but no one departs it. And it just stays there for a few days. And Daryl's the first to emerge from I'm the first. <laughs> in this story, I'm the first to emerge. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very honored. The first time I've been r- written into fiction, I think, yeah. 
I'm actually very interested, you know, now that we've mentioned these other names and the, the history of the, the ten-year series and, and the batch of, of poets. Tell, tell us more about the community, about, I don't know. Uh, so it was the starting days of like Singapore Rhymo, Singapore Poetry Writing Month, mm-hmm. which I think has made the careers of, or like kicks out of the careers of many poets in, in Singapore, in English at least. So I was like, me and a few others were at the start of this. So me, people like uh, Daryl Yam, Amanda Chong, Hao Kuang, Joshua, we were at the start. Uh, and then we basically formed, a, the first thing we formed was like a writing collective. And we basically just found out, found like-minded folks to like start writing poetry together. So that's how a lot of us started off. Then I think the ten-year series, which is the which was published by Matthew the Press, was like the first set of um, manuscripts that came out of this process called Manuscript Bootcamp, which Singlet Station started. It so happened that a lot of them were like uh, people who were in that first writing group, which we call ISD, by the way. Image symbol department, yeah, yeah. It just so happened that way. So we became quite a tight group, I think, uh, like a few of us, and we sort of persisted. Now we don't actually do so much workshopping. It's more like a social thing. <laughs> but, you know, we sort of like comment on each other's manuscripts and stuff like that. I think it's important not to have that support structure in place if you want to write. Yeah. Well, you all write in like pretty different styles with different consents, right? So how do you still give each other? useful critique while respecting each other. Maybe it's the best way, actually. Yeah, because we are, like, not, in some ways, not writing in the same space. It's actually easier to give objective feedback. I'm also glad that we don't, we're not, like, a collective in the sense of, like, uh, like, the futurists or something, you know, where they have manifestos. Uh I think that's great, because in some ways, we are so different. And it's good that you have a group of people who can allow you to do something that's so so different, but also give you meaningful feedback. I think that's, that's what's nice about it. It's not, it's not competitive, it's not like workshopping in the kind of like, this very like US MFA, sorry, but kind of way where it's like, you know, you're like cutting people down to the bone. It's more like a more generous, informal form of, form of feedback, which is great. And on that note, um, you know, what, what advice would you have for, you know, younger poets? Oh God. Uh, just read a lot. I think that's always been my advice to like everyone. So I so I like I mentor for like uh, the creative arts program. I just have to read a lot first lah. Don't don't write so much. Like write minimally, read maximally. Like I think a lot of like young poets think that when they are first writing that they are like the shit. Like they're writing amazing things that no one has written before. But actually, it's it's never true. Right? Like people have written before you, very written much better stuff. So like get exposed and then you can start learning. What do you think about the state of singlet or narrowly Singapore poetry in English? Oh, that's very like ponderous question. <laughs> what do I think about the state? I uh, can I just recycle one of my answers. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll I'll do that. Um, I've said before that I think it probably increasingly is less useful to think of Singapore poetry as Singapore poetry, just because it's been so diverse, and because I think a lot of the folks I read probably draw their inspiration from a lot of things elsewhere that they've read. So it can be communities of, uh, let's say, queer poetry or just other styles of. Or, or schools of poetry that they've come across. And that maybe is what the internet really does. It like kind of like allows people to form communities outside of their like national borders. So I think it's, it's increasingly meaningless to talk about singlet. But maybe the thing I would say is that I wish I wish that people were uh, read outside the Anglophone centers a bit more. Meaning US, UK lah. Especially the US, which I feel like it's almost like people feel like it's the it's the be all and end all of like of poetry, which I can see why. I mean, there's great stuff coming out of like the US, but I think attention to like 
two, two, two places, Southeast Asia, which actually has a surprising amount of, it may not be written originally in like English, but there's quite a lot of translation going on. I wish people read more of that. Myanmar, of course, is a, actually a great uh, place for, for I would say, inventive and quite, quite amazing of poetry. Uh, Vietnam as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on now. So I, I would encourage people to read out, outside of that. And read stuff in, in translation, of course. But so I think that will really uh, broaden people's horizon. There's quite little attention paid to like poetry or literature written in the other three national languages, right? Other than English. Yes. Exactly. So like even starting at home with yeah. that is important. So I've been yeah, like, talking about translation a lot. But just to bang the jump again, please translate more. <laughs> we need to do more of that. Okay, next. What are the biggest problems and opportunities in the field of Singlet? Oh god. Not just writing, maybe like publishing as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So the general landscape. I mean, we've always had, I think, not that many publishing houses, I guess. And now with like, it seems like books actually and math paper press have closed or are on their last legs. So that's bad. There is really no, like, if you were like a aspiring debut poet, there's really no good place to go. Not that many good places to go. So we do need more diversity of like publishers. But I think the real problem at points that maybe is just having an outfit that has really like thought it through end to end in terms of the integrity of printing distribution, but also like I think the marketing side of it and the reaching out to to readers to develop this dedicated poetry reading public, which I think exists. It's just that no one has really put them together. It used to be Matthew Press. I mean, Matthew Press tried to try to do that and did it, I think, fairly su- successfully. But the problem, I think, with a lot of it was that we didn't have a good like editing culture. So I was just, I was just talking about this too to some friends. That actually, in Singapore, I can't really think. And I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but I can't really think of someone I would think of in poetry as like a great editor that like people would, like really think, oh wow, we should talk to him to get his or her or their views. So. Maybe the age of this kind of like heroic editorship is gone, but I think it would be nice to have more dedicated editors in the scene. But of course, it's a it's a money problem. Yeah, because like when I talk to published friends, they always say that like the main editors in Hyena are like fellow poets, right? Yeah. As opposed to like dedicated editors. Exactly, I think that is a bit of a problem. I don't know if fiction faces the same issues. Probably less so because there are there are more there's more money in the sort of fictional ecosystem. And I guess it's not that much of an issue because in some ways because people also go overseas, which has worked for a few folks la, like uh, Hao Kuang who's getting published uh, in Hawaii, uh, Ali also, Ali Chua, uh, who's getting published in Australia. But it does mean that, for example, a book like, a very good book like Hamid's book, Hamid Rafwan's book, in some ways it's very hard to imagine like an overseas publisher publishing that because it's so in some ways rooted in, in like Singapore and at least the Singapore and Malaysia, the sort of Malay world uh, region, right? You want someone, a publisher in like Singapore who understands that sort of text and kind of to bring it out. So it, I think that makes a case for like a local publishing. Next question. This one's kind of abstract. Should we all become anything but human? Your hands are also abstract. Um, but uh, <laughs> this, is, this is particularly abstract. Yes, yes. yes. I, I agree with you. Should we become anything but human? Uh, uh, I think we already are. In many ways, we are, we are, we have, from the very start, been quite augmented by things that are not human, and it's just become increasingly more apparent. So, hello. So we are, we we already are. <laughs> Last question. Yes. Why bird? 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 
Oh, I, I assume he's the, this person's referring to my pet. Uh, yeah, I have a pet bird. I have a pet cockatiel who's very adorable. There's no why, birds are. <laughs> Therefore, birds are. Um, but yeah, it's been a huge comfort <laughs> to me because I, I live alone. So like having a pet is, is, a, is a nice way of doing things. Why do you choose a bird though? Why do I choose a bird? Yeah, like not a fish or anything else. Well, I can't do much with fishes. Fishes are just there. Yeah. <laughs> you can't like pet them or like, you know. They are surprisingly, f- actually they're really fun. Birds are, so birds are, so cockatiels are good because one, they are in some ways quite independent. So you can sort of let them be for a while. Of course, you should play with them every day. You should give them a, like some time to fly around. But they're generally quite independent. They don't really demand like constant attention. They won't roam around like disturbing things because they're in the cage. Um, I like dogs and cats. Also, I think um, they can fly. So that's quite cool. <laughs> like having a, a living thing that can fly in your house that's not a cockroach or something. So that's, that's great. And yeah, I mean, they can talk and they can sing. So that's also a plus. Therefore, bird. Okay, last thing. Is there anything you would like to share with our audiences? Uh, uh, no, just keep reading. Oh. Uh, keep reading good good things. Keep reviewing things. I think that helps. And review things with some thought and not just for Instagram. Yes. Do you have any recommendations? I've been... No, I'll just tell you what, 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 what I've read that I've, that I've liked. Yeah. I've read... I've been reading... Uh, I've just finished this book by Emily Berry, who's like a UK poet called Unexhausted Time. The Guardian described her way of writing poetry as incendiary, which I think is correct. It's a, it, it, is, it, will, it will blow your mind, I think. It's just a way of writing poetry that is not, I've not seen before. So. Emily Berry. 